Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of How to Do Drugs in the year 2022. Um, we're still in that year, <laughs> right? I think so. It's going all right so far, but it's only been a couple of weeks. So um, 2022 has uh, has a lot to has a lot, um, a lot going for it. You know, I still have hope for it. Although Bob Saget died. So that's, um, that's sad. I'm pretty sure it was probably hookers and cocaine that killed him, but, um, we'll get into that later, uh, for this wonderful episode. I'm very excited to have him on. I haven't seen him in quite some time. Um, if you guys have ever been in the West village, specifically comedy alley before, um, before quarantine, <laughs> BC before quarantine, <laughs> you have may seen a man uh, walking around with a sign that said, will twerk $4, um, a homeless man at the time, um, a recovering heroin addict, and right. um, my buddy Blinky. <laughs> Hello, sir. Hey, How are you? Yeah. Hey, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Definitely, definitely. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> well, well you're not anymore, right? No, not at all. I got an apartment. Uh, I got a beautiful job where I work at. Uh, things are going great, actually. Uh, That's I'm, learning, I'm learning some big uh, learning how to navigate through uh, life after such a long time of being in a dark place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I knew you um, for at least a couple of years before before quarantine. I would see, you you know, every time I yeah. would go go perform i would never make you twerk for me i still give you dollars <laughs> absolutely i appreciate it definitely definitely you know i enjoyed the twerking actually it's, it was yeah. a lot of fun for me um mm -hmm. despite the circumstances i took a lot of pride in doing what i did because it was a hustle instead of me selling heroin or robbing people and things mm -hmm. like that i turned to twerking and yeah. a lot of people don't want to see a, a sad sign like hungry and homeless i mean you can play that angle, but let's be honest. Nobody cares about that shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it definitely. Um, homeless people make people uncomfortable. You know, a lot of oh, times they, they, they want to shy away. Um, I do. I, I appreciate the signs, you know, like the twerking for dollars or, or you know, right. um, ask me a question. You know, you know, people that um, that try things a, a little bit differently. And technically, yeah, it is a hustle. And as someone who also used to twerk for dollars, um, just at a <laughs> just at a different capacity. <laughs> right, right. I absolutely respected that hustle. Um, so let's get Always. into it. Um, now, um, I'm not sure when when did you first start using? Oh well, I initially started using hardcore drugs at a very young age. Unfortunately, I was 12 years old. I smoked crack for the first time. Okay. Um, then, and when I was 15 or 13, I started smoking pot. And the heroin started around 17. I started dabbling with it here and there. Um, just my whole life has been pretty uh, drugged up, basically. Yeah, 12. Yeah, 12 is um, you know, normally uh, 12 is like where maybe you try a cigarette or um, right, right. You, you know, like alcohol. And you're, you like you went right for it. You went crack. But well, when um, I hear, when oh, I hear people talk, I'm sorry, when I hear people talk about gateway drugs, anything is a gateway drug. You know, mm -hmm. until you get tired of the experience of that one drug, you move on to another one. Yeah, correct. Yeah, because like technically my gateway drug was acid. So <laughs> nice, nice. I actually got a tense trip. It's beautiful. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's really therapeutic. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Like if you yeah. do it in the right capacity, 
you know, not just to like fuck off. It can Absolutely. actually be very uh, beneficial. So um, what made you like move to New York City? Um, well, originally um, I was in Miami and uh, my wife had passed away and my grandmother passed away recently before her. And I was just not doing good. And I knew that I was going to die in Miami streets of Overtown. Um, life down there is hard, but uh, I had, I was looking at death by dope dealers or just going to jail for some heinous crime. And I went to New York knowing that panhandling is something that I could have done without having to commit a crime or something like that or worry about my safety. And mm -hmm. it's New York City. I mean, anything you do, it, it, it'll take off. You want to sell water, you'll sell water because there's millions of people. It's a numbers game, you know, mm -hmm. bigger city, bigger opportunities. And um, and I also had friends in New York um, and I came to New York. That was my first first trip here. I stayed in an abandoned building in, in Brooklyn called the Batcave. <laughs> and that was really nice. It used to be an old uh, abandoned Jewish press building, a newspaper. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere the mobsters had bought it out and turned it into a landfill. And now it's just shut down. No, it's just shut down. Have you yeah. um, have you been homeless most of your life, like on and off? On and off. Yeah, um, mostly after my grandmother passed away in my 20s and then I got clean for a while there and I was doing pretty good. And my wife passed away after that. And that's pretty much ever since 2014 has been how long it's taken me to get clean till now. I've been clean oh, now no. two years. Yeah, in two years. Well, congratulations well, since, on that. <laughs> since the beginning of the pandemic, to be exact. Yeah. Um, yeah. When the pandemic hit, uh, what were like, I was actually, I was wondering where to, I, mean, I became friends with you on Facebook. I'm like, Oh my God, the twerking for dollars guy. I love that guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, well, the whole thing, it started to sink into me. Uh, normally I would have a good money night out there. I would, you know, my, my charismatic um, approach to people was different mm -hmm. than most other homeless people. I would believe I didn't, um, I wasn't aggressive. I didn't like to invade people's personal space. That's why normally I would just sit there and just not say nothing and let the sign do its thing. Mm -hmm. But um, I was having a hard night that that very Sunday night of the pandemic um, where they were shutting down the city. And that night I only made like sixty dollars. And mm -hmm. that to me was a horrible night because normally I would average out a lot better. And mm -hmm. I, I was having a hard time. I reached out to my brother and I talked to him and I explained to him the situation. And he talked to me, he's like, dude, you're going to have to make a deal, either die on the streets or get clean. And he gave me an opportunity of coming out to Michigan to live where uh, where he is and he's doing his thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I just buckled down, went to a detox program and bit the bullet. And I'm, I'm notorious for AMA, for just constantly walking out the doors and thinking I'm better than that and then failing mm -hmm. a million times. I know myself all too well. Mm -hmm. So I stuck with this uh inpatient program and at first they tried putting me on methadone which i completely refused okay. um i did the i did the taper the five-day taper but um i bit the bullet after that i was like no more even in the it, detox I, I i bunkered down luckily i have a loving family and very strong support network that i was getting edibles while i was there in the program okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of take and, off the edge a little bit oh yeah it was more like a medication than, than me getting stoned it was mm -hmm. it was help it was better better alternatives than the methadone, the prescription medication they were trying to hook me up on. Mm -hmm. um, at first, I was on sleeping medication, just trazodone. And I, I steered away from that real quick because I didn't like the side effects and just the way it made me feel. 
Mm -hmm. Is that, um, because sometimes some people like they have to take methadone, like their body got so used, used to the heroin. Did you not want to have to like continuously take it? Or did you think that maybe you just, your body would get addicted to that as Um, well? Well, my, my view on methadone and heroin and everything, um, I have a sense of being better than things really are. I, I believe I'm better than, than taking methadone or, or going the, the alternative route. Cause I'm a, I'm the kind of person I'm either all in or all out. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be a heroin addict. I'm going to be a heroin addict. I'm not going to pussyfoot around with methadone and suboxone. <laughs> it's, it's a great clutch for getting off of heroin initially. Mm-hmm. Then after that, the maintenance program, what they would call, um, it helps some people. If, if you could do it, do it for me. It just wasn't an option. I didn't want to be tied down by another opiate, whether it's legal or not. It's what's what's mm-hmm. the point of getting clean at that point? It's just bite mm-hmm. the bullet and man up. De- deal with your demons and your thoughts and shit the way accordingly you have to. You know, I medicate every day by smoking pot. Mm-hmm. And the way I look at pot is a medicine. Boy, I don't just smoke and get stoned. And, oh, I'm going to go do some art. I pretty much sit there and go through my head and, you know, re- reflect on myself. Mm-hmm. Is is uh, marijuana the only thing that you do? Do you like drink or anything? Or? No, no, no. I, I never. I was never a big drinker. Uh, didn't like the way it was all sloppy. Like, um, I I could drink, <laughs> but no, I don't drink at all. I really don't. Yeah. Don't like it. Don't like the way. Um, yeah, it makes me feel. I mean, I don't like. <laughs> I don't like. I don't like hanging around other drunks. And I don't want to hang out by myself if I'm drunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being being drunk and being um, high on heroin are two completely um, different. Oh yeah, things, yeah. It's sure. a vicious world. <laughs> being in the being in the West Village around a drunk people, I mean, many of the times I have seen you, I was highly intoxicated. <laughs> I got a good I got a good game face so you were intoxicated I was probably just as high if not higher <laughs> I mean it took a lot of a lot of dope to manage me to get me to twerk out there for people <laughs> yeah were you um so you were a freak like a daily user then uh was it intravenously or, or like did you yeah yeah it? I was um uh, I was intravenous um there's no other way for me like I said I'm all in or all out um mm-hmm. Every night, my thing was nightly. When you would see me out there on the street, uh, when you'd see me pop up, that's more than likely I needed to make money. I was okay just, you know, hanging out with the people who I thought were my friends or who were like my friends, even though I was where I was at. I mean, look at me and you now. We're, we're mm-hmm. buddies. You know, I would believe you're yeah. a friend. You know, I trust you and all. Um, yeah, just West Fort, it was great. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. It, it was it was a it was a comfort zone. I really liked West Forge and I liked the people that were there and mm-hmm. because of you guys having faith and trust in me and still and even enabling me at points. You know, you guys still treated me like a human being and because of you guys I'm here because there were times where late at night I'm in a really bad place. So I'm just dead broke cuz I have no money or something. I'm about to be dope sick. Um mm-hmm. I would put you know, you guys would help me push through. And I would reflect on the hanging out with you guys. And that's why I'm here now. Just clean. It's a lot of things that I'm proud of because you guys are proud of me. It's a mental thing. But yeah, intervenes yeah, it, every it, day. It was horrible. Every <laughs> day. Well, now New York has um, has like a place where intravenous users can go and like get clean right. needles and, and stuff like spaces. that. The needle exchange yeah. programs. Yeah, yeah. The harm reduction. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It can be 
overwhelming, in my opinion. Definitely. It, it, it can be a good thing and a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, people use safely, but then people are also going to exploit that and try to sell dope around there and things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a slippery slope. But yeah, it's a, it's a good thing, I believe, you know? It definitely prevents people from catching um, diseases and STIs and whatnot. They help people educate themselves. I got a certification in um, HIV and drugs uh, awareness, some some certificate I got there. I got to find it one day. I'll send it to you. But um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I, I support them. I support needle exchange programs. I do. You know, unfortunately, um, if there was one in Florida, I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in. But yeah, they're, they're healthy. They are healthy. And I've learned a lot because of them. Well, that's good. Yeah, I think um, I, I think they do have their pluses and minuses. I think that it's just because it's so new in the United States, like other countries, you, you know, they have the, these types of places right. and, and drug use has, has definitely gone down. And I do think a lot of it has to do with with education, because a lot of people, yeah. you, you know, like, like yourself, you start using real young and, and you don't know anything really about it except that you like right, to do right. it and, and so once you actually start getting educated and it also helps to you need to have that frame of mind where it's like you want to get clean like you can't oh, force anyone you can't force people to get clean they have to want to themselves they have to hit rock bottom or for your example like if there wasn't if there wasn't a global pandemic <laughs> two years That's, ago do you, yeah do, do you think you would be in the same place twerking for dollars um, or Absolutely. You know, absolutely. The pandemic helped. That was what the real catalyst to me wanting to get sober and clean was going to my brother's wedding the, the year before the pandemic even started uh, in 2017 when he got married. Um, I went to his wedding and I went there all strung out, but I played the role that I was doing good and clean and sober. And and I look like shit now in hindsight. I look at my pictures, but um, but they didn't give me grief about it. And mm-hmm. being there for his wedding in a different state, being in New York, um, I, you know, I sacrificed whatever my comforts were to get to his wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a catalyst, just standing there feeling like shit because here I am in front of my 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 family mm-hmm. all strung the fuck out. And I've missed out so much of my life because of heroin and just drugs and just being in a bad mental state of mind. Yeah. Are you um, you're close with your family then? Were they the type of family? family that kind of like cut you off because you were using and then they're like if you get clean you'll come back we'll allow you to come back kind of thing or well yeah they're very supportive no matter what um I was more I excluded I alienated myself they were always there was myself that chose to not be there because of my own selfish drug addiction um Mm -hmm. And they and they also they told me look we have no time for for nonsense man get clean or don't or not and that was the truth. It was like, I have to make a decision, either get clean or die on the streets, you know? Yeah. Um, but they're very, they're very supportive, though. They're very beautiful. And um, they're great. I mean, they're, they're non-judgmental. I mean, I love them. And, and to be honest, they're not even my blood family. They're kind of like my adopted family since I was a 12-year-old kid. The story behind that is beautiful. Well, tell um, me. I, yeah, I met my brother, who I call my brother, at, at 12 years old. I was living on the streets at 12. And um, me and him were running around and... Um, Long story short, it was Easter Sunday dinner and I was hanging out on Lincoln Road on Miami Beach and his mom sent him out to find me for Easter Sunday dinner. And I, you know, he found me and we went over and we had a beautiful dinner. And ever since then, uh, I've been a part of the family. They kind of took me in and I gravitated to them, just their love and the love that they have shown me what a real family is. It's it's uh, it was intense and 
you know, the the thing was, don't double dip the bread into the soup the sauce. It was, it was one of our things. I'll never forget that. Um, but yeah, we've been friends ever since, and and he's doing beautiful. He's got himself a storefront, and because he's doing, we both come from pretty wicked backgrounds. Because he was smarter than I was when at a younger age, he got his shit together at 18, 19. And he's got a beautiful storefront. He's doing very well for himself. And because his smartness got gave me the opportunity to to do what I'm doing now. He's in a kind kind of like like a role model a a little bit, like someone you can look up to, like a mentor or something like that. Absolutely, absolutely. What happened? uh, If you don't mind me asking, what happened to your birth family, your blood relatives? Um, my my father, he's still in my my life. My dad's a great guy. I talk to him almost on a daily basis. Um, he had a pretty hectic life growing up. He was also addicted to drugs and things, but um, he gave me a beautiful life. It was unconventional, like compared to what people would think. But I grew up on a farm, horseback riding as a little kid, riding dirt bikes and four wheelers, shooting guns. Unfortunately, my dad was an addict, and there was bad times too, where we would end up in a crack house you know, pouring gas down the staircase of a building because somebody smashed the wind, the windshield. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my dad was a great man, though. He's taught me everything that I know now to be a better person. And even Mm -hmm. some of the negative things that we went through, he taught me how to survive. As bad as some people might look at it, those negative experiences to them are actually beautiful experiences to me because I didn't do very well in school. I ran away from foster care a lot. I did. um, I just had a traumatizing life. Just things were crazy nowadays i don't find it traumatizing it is what it is i kind of just reflect on it you know to be a better person yeah well a lot of a lot of that that childhood trauma um it builds character as they say you know what i mean it it can either uh make you or break you you know some people it makes stronger it could definitely make stronger some people you know they have a harder time dealing with it that's great that you still have um have a good relationship uh with your father does your father still use no, no, he's been clean for quite for several years now. <clears throat> he's doing pretty good. He's got himself a nice little job on Miami Beach, hanging out, looking at the pretty women. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells me, son, son, look, there's this girl I met. I was oh, it's good for you, Dad. And he has a hard time interacting with people, but he's a, he's a charming guy. I love him. He's my best friend also. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. And uh, is your mother ever in the picture for um, this? Or? My, my biological mom, like I said, I, I didn't meet her until I was 12 years old. Um, our relationship, um, I entertained it at 12 and I didn't like her, her boyfriend. And we just didn't, our chemistry just didn't sit well. Mm -hmm. And, um, she, you know, I just didn't see her ever since I was 12 again. Maybe I was 15. I saw my biological mom again and that was about it. But, um, I don't think about her at all ever. I got my strong family. My, my wife identifies my mom, which is Alma and my brother, Mm -hmm. Sean and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. I I think about it. but oh, no, I, I think, you think about it. Yeah, I think about my biological mom sometimes. And do I have half brothers? But I don't even allow myself to entertain those thoughts because it is what it is. It'll, I came to the conclusion that it'll cause me more grief to reach out than to just deal with it the way I have been. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes uh, sometimes you have to leave the past in the past, yeah. as, as they say. <laughs> and, and even when it comes with blood relatives, like you see all these quotes and stuff like that, you know, family above all else. But sometimes your family can be the most toxic people in your life, you know, you know yeah. your blood, oh, yeah. re- your blood relatives. And sometimes, um, unfortunately, you do need to cut them off and then building you know, your own family and, and having like friends that are like brothers and sisters. Like strong, and, and, yeah. Strong support network for sure. For sure. 
Yeah, it definitely, um, it definitely helps. Like I, I've always had both of my parents, but I've had like my friend's parents as well. You know, right, like right. If, if my parents weren't, um, weren't there for me at all. So um, now you're in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I live now in Toledo, Ohio. It is actually kind of chilly out. Yeah, I was like, it's got to be cold. It is. Um, it is very cold today here in New York. It's like a whole 15 degrees. Um, wow. like the high 20s around here, I believe. I'm not too sure. <laughs> oh, that's like tropic for the Midwest, though, isn't it? From what I yeah, remember. Like the, the sun's on my face, you know, I got a view of uh, my neighborhood. It's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so over quarantine, you, you got clean and like went out there. Uh, what was the process like of um, um, going back home after like officially being, cause you got clean before you went home, right? Or, or did you um, go there? Well, again, right? No, I went, um, I went to the program. Like I said, um, the program, like I did a lot of art, the process be behind the whole program. I focused on doing a lot of art from not trying to do the, the methadone and my edibles helped me with my head. Mm -hmm. um, after I got out the program, I went to an SRO, it's like a homeless shelter for people in New York. And um, I, I, dab I dabbled once or twice. And right away, I knew I had to get the hell out of there. I, with the only money I had, I bought a ticket. And my brother also helped me buy a second ticket because I fucked mm -hmm. up the first ticket, unfortunately. And um, I, I got to, to, to Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, it, was a, it was an emotional roller coaster leaving New York City for the first time in like year, eight years, nine years, basically, uh, of what was my home. Mm -hmm. um, it was I was really intense. I, I almost broke down and didn't even make my second train because I was such an emotional wreck because I was a, a nervous and afraid of what was to come if I was going to all my insecurities and all my traumas and all my own myself getting in my own way. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't almost make it here, but I'm glad I, I bit the bullet and I knew the train, the teachings from the program when everything I've learned um, has helped me get to a here, you know, just got to focus, like really go through all those cliche ass bullshit that they yeah. say, you know, work it if it works. Day or, at a time kind of thing. It, it actually works for me, you know, and reading affirmations and actively every day I, I wake up and I say it's a good morning. And it's like that cognitive behavioral thinking that I try to keep with myself for sure, you know. Yeah, like you have to retrain your brain basically to be to be more positive, to not yeah. want to. Oh, use. yeah. I, def I definitely do that. Like I have a freaking motivational quote app on my phone and every like hour it like I get a little no notification. I'm like, this is so retarded, but also I'm going to save this one because that one. <laughs> Right. I got a couple that I screenshot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you feel dumb. You know, you kind of feel stupid, but at the same time, it's like, oh, this does actually help. Like it does yeah. really help to 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 have more pot like less negative self-talk is definitely a factor. Like right, that negative right, where it's right. like, you know no. what, like fuck it. Like I'm just gonna go drink today. Like something went really wrong. I broke up with the guy or or you, you know, whatever. You know, one of the one of the funniest things for me, even when I was homeless and, and strung the hell out and stuff, some you know regular people would you know walk up to me, hey, how you doing? I would look at them, I'm doing all right, and they're like, whoa, that's a different reaction. Most people come out with, oh, my life. It's like, look, I made a decision to be where I'm at. You know, mm -hmm. I'm gonna accept it for what it is because that's where I want to be, and it's unfortunate, yeah, to an extent, but mm -hmm. it's um. Yeah, it's, it's just it is. It, it is what it is. And I always kept a positive mindset. Even then, it's like it could be worse. I could be, you know, completely dead broke. Like, you know, my, my psychological thing was I was always doing good if I had only a dollar in my pocket to wake up to. And that was yeah. the start to my day. And just 
it could be worse. Just even as, as fucked up as my life was, and I believed it to be as, a, as much as I catastrophized my life, mm-hmm. I always made sure to wake up and good morning to myself or reach out to a friend. Hey, or just yeah. be positive. Just be positive to yourself, you know? It's fake yeah. it till you make it. <laughs> yeah, fake it till you make it. Yeah, kind, <laughs> kindness to yourself seems to be the easiest thing, but it's actually one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. Just just to be kind to, to yourself and, and gentle. That is um, interesting that, that you said that, like, that you chose to be where you were then, like you chose, you know, to use, like being a user, uh, being homeless. I, I met another um, homeless man when, when I lived in Hollywood, right when I moved to LA, I, I lived right off of Hollywood Boulevard in Las Palmas and Yucca. And there was, uh, and there there was this homeless man and he had a dog. And, and at the time I only yeah. had um, one dog and, and we would talk and we were smoking like our dogs were friends. And, um, we, you know, we, every time I see him, we smoke pot. And like, I had a conversation with him. Uh, his drug of choice was meth. He really liked meth. Uh, he was a Up veteran and, and, and he, and he was a veteran and he's just like, like he, you know, he got his benefits. He had a phone, like he had his little like tent area where a bunch right. of other somewhat functioning. He was functioning. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and he had said that he's like, this is a, he's like, this is what I want to do. He's like, I like it's same as my dad. He's like, I like doing drugs and I'm going to do them. And if this is how my life has to be so I can use, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. And I respected that, you know, I'm like, okay, he's not one of those people just be like, oh, I'm homeless because I'm a drug addict or blah, 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 like feel sorry for me. He's like, no, I chose this. This, this is the yeah. life well, that, that I'm choosing. Believe it or not, there were times when I would come up to, you know, to you guys, the regulars, and I would feel bad because it's like, damn, I don't want to approach these guys like, hey, what's up? Or can you spare a cigarette? And, mm-hmm. you know, I, it, it was always um not embarrassing. I just didn't like the feeling of having to put my shit on other people mm-hmm. as much as I depended on you guys. And I was really humble about it. I was never, I was always pretty self-aware of what I was doing and what was going on, you know, mentally at least to a certain yeah. extent. Yeah. To a certain extent. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, there's something I, I probably glorify this some, but um, it was crazy sometimes when I look at myself now and I look at myself where I was at back in the day, like a couple before the pandemic, Mm -hmm. Um, when you guys would see me on the street corner, just standing there doing all right, well, probably 20 minutes before that I'm head first into a garbage can going through some kind of cocaine psychosis and believing that I'm going to find something. And it's crazy. There's a reason that happened. It's not because, oh, we're just completely batshit crazy. It's because I literally have found hundreds of dollars of cocaine and, Mm -hmm. and products and things in the trash can. Yeah, <laughs> it's wicked. It's just wicked, wicked. People, people are like, "Oh, look at that crazy crackhead." Yeah, you call it crazy, but there's a method to my madness, and it's working just fine. Mm-hmm. And don't be upset at something you don't understand, or don't shun me or judge me because you're not where I'm at mentally. You know? Yeah, and because you've never like when I was a kid, I used to dumpster dive all of the time, and we would Hell find. Yeah. The coolest <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> we would find the all the money. We would find money. Sometimes we would find drugs. Um, but yeah, like most of the time we were just looking for money because sometimes like, like someone would accidentally yeah. throw their wallet away or oh. something. So here's a fun, <laughs> here's a really funny one for you. So obviously I spent so much time out by myself. I was homeless, you know? And um, I would walk and I would see the drunk people sometimes try to fuck with the ATM or something. And they, you know, the little ones with the little flap on it where it's like on the wall. Yeah, yeah, or they yeah. Would, 
Yeah, they would sit there and punch at it, and they would look at it all weird, and they would watch them, and they're like, are they leaving their money in the thing? And, and then five minutes later, they walk away all flustered, and I walk up to it, and I whip out a $100 bill. And it, yep. was, it happened several times. It was hilarious how, how much that happens. And people would say to me, oh, you're crazy for checking the ATMs. I was like, dude, at least yeah. three, three times out the week, I'm finding money in those ATMs. As someone wow. as someone who used to, because uh, I used to be an armored car driver, I used to have to fill ATMs. I know exactly. Yeah. They, they would be like, you have to, because sometimes the money would be brand new and the and it would stick together. Yeah, so we, so yeah, so we used to have to beat money. Like we would have to beat it and like crumple it up and then put it in there. So oh yeah, every once in a while, if I walk past an ATM, I'll check it. Too. Yep. I, I know uh, w- one year, my one of my best years for for ground scoring in ATMs was uh, in Halloween down on West Fourth and McDougal. Mm-hmm. Um, I was walking. Oh, I know from, that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one right next to the the Mamoon's place. Yeah. The yeah, one yeah. on the corner by the pizza shop. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking on the opposite side of the street and I'm walking. I see literally money in the ATM and I make my way with all the police and all the traffic. I jumped the little guard barrier to go check the ATM. And lo and behold, I found $60 in it. I go ahead and I put that in my pocket from the walk. From, and mind you, I'm high as a goddamn kind of my psychosis. I walk from one ATM to the other back to the corner. Mm-hmm. I check the same ATM twice before I leave it for the third time. I check it again. After giving it five minutes, I find another hundred dollars in there. And <laughs> it was crazy. Two nights in, in a uh, two night, two times in a night. It was crazy. Yeah, no, that's um, <laughs> that's a good night. <laughs> that's yeah, it sure was. I mean, <laughs> definitely, definitely. It sure was. <laughs> Yeah, other people should. Um, well, I mean, if you have money, leave it for the homeless people. <laughs> I definitely, I love checking yeah. ATMs. Normally, when I would, um, if I've ever found money, I'll tend to like leave it in a special part of my wallet, or like, like I found twenties or something like that. Like I'll break it down to dollars, and then that will be the money that I give to homeless people. You know, That's I have a cool. co- I have a couple guys on on my corner. You know, that, that have lived there. He's got his little setup and stuff like that. I, I give him food and everything nice. like that. Um, yeah. They're I, appreciative. I, People are appreciative of that stuff, you know? Yeah. For sure. I, know I, was, I mean, I was definitely appreciative of the kind gestures you've given me over the years, you know, for sure. I remember one night specifically, I asked you for a cigarette and you said, I don't have any on me. I'll be right back out. And then you went inside and I kind of figured out oh, she's probably drinking. She's not going to come back out. And you never did. But then two days later, you came back to me and you're like, hey, I remember I forgot to come back out and give you the cigarette. And you actually gave me $5 and a cigarette. So <laughs> <something like that. laughs> I was probably drinking. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good time. I mean, you can't take it personal. When you're, when you're living that kind of lifestyle, you can never take things too personal, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, like I knew, like we've had conversations like you've hung out with us and and stuff like that when we were out smoking. And yeah, I definitely um, there's been a couple of times when I didn't have anything. It'd be like the next time I see you, you know, I'll I'll get you and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, I've always been that way, though. I've um, I've technically never been homeless, but I did live in a crack house for a month. Quite a few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I was younger, so I'm um, close. I was close to it, and I wasn't. Um, I was. What was I doing? I was a dancer at the time, and yeah, I just like I wasn't living life the way I should have been, and I ended up in uh, my buddies. It was this house that we used to party at all the time, like after hours and right. stuff like that. And um, 
he was, he was a literal crackhead. Uh, he, he liked to smell crack at the time. Um, I was pretty big into, um, (laughs) I was doing Coke. I was doing a lot of Coke. And, um, I think that was my ecstasy phase where I went through, um, I went to doing a lot of ecstasy. (laughs) I had my phase for sure. When I was young, I actually, believe it or not, I prefer ecstasy pills compared to that Molly nowadays. Yes. Um, We're just talking about that. I'm, I heard that I'm not a big fan of the the Molly myself either because I'm old school. If, uh, if I got the brown dots in it, I like the heroin in it or keep me down. Mm-hmm. I had a big faith as a young kid on, on, on ecstasy. I like those a lot more. I mean, I don't do them now, but. Yeah, yeah. I was always. Um, yeah, I like the press pills. I think it was uh, with Duckett. We talked about that. Yeah, I, I trust them more for some reason because uh, <laughs> with the tablets, you, you can put anything in them. You know what I mean? Um vitamin B, literally anything yeah. and, and not get, um, and not get fucked up from it. Ooh. Okay. Something happened. It's back now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you but actually, you. you, you look like you actually gained some weight too. Yeah. I'm 190 pounds now. Nice. And, uh, you're getting some meat on your bones. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty, it's crazy. I'm really self-conscious of my weight. Uh, and it's not about being too big. It's about being too thin. I don't like to be too, too thin. And I also am self-conscious about being too big. So I try to watch what I eat and work out. I don't eat super healthy, but I definitely don't just eat junk. Yeah, <laughs> which is good. That's um, I've, cha- I've noticed that uh, changing my diet has also helped with, with mental health. Like, because they, they say that your Absolutely. second brain is in your tummy and that like, helps produce all of those like happy hormones that we need for our brain. So I noticed that once I stopped eating out so much and cooking my own meals, I'm like, Oh, I actually feel so much better. Just right. eating better. Yeah. Yeah. I started, I started doing a lot of my own smoothies, um, some flax seeds and protein shakes. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I prefer the natural meat. Yeah, it does. Um, so being an addict, because I know a lot of people who are addicts, they'll, they'll tend because you don't stop being an addict. You know what I mean? Like your brain doesn't stop not. wanting Never. to focus on one thing constantly. Do you do you have something that that like you switch that to? Like one of my girlfriends, when she stopped taking Adderall and doing coke, uh, she just worked out a bunch. Like her thing was working. Right. Out. Um, uh, do you have something similar to I, that? Uh, yeah, I kind of. Well, my thing is I cope with doing artwork. I draw a lot. And um, just try to eat healthy. I got cookies. That's kind of like <laughs> my thing. You know, I like I like the cookies. Um, I try to take it easy. I don't eat a whole pack in a night, but yeah, that's my go-to. That's my little addict thing there. I tried quit. I'm quitting smoking cigarettes. Actually, I don't smoke a whole pack of cigarettes anymore. Now I smoke a black a mile a night. There so you I'm go. trying to reduce that. Yeah, um, I don't just work. Work is also my job. Is something that really it's like my routine where it keeps me positive and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, routine so is definitely key to having a good, like healthy routine is, um, is also a big yeah. factor. Yeah. That's kind of what I, my focus is on work, just work. Um, it's a laundry company. Actually, I do, um, load dirty rags, rags that come in from paint companies and print mm-hmm. shops and mechanic shops. We just load them in the washer, dry them and send them out again. It's, um, overnight I worked a graveyard shift from uh, 10 to six, 10 to mm-hmm. seven. And uh, I like it's just my my way of understanding uh, positive mental health is you, you're doing good if you're working and you're trying to manage yourself. You're good if you're mm-hmm. not doing drugs. I mean, I compare I'm pretty OK with whatever comes my way now being mm-hmm. sober. 
than back then. I compare like everything I compared to back then where I was. It's like, oh man, life is better now than back then. I don't ever want to go to that shit, you know? Yeah. And that's good because some people will will look at that and be like, I do want to go back and then go back. But you're like, you're in a place now where you're like, no, I don't want to. Oh, I have no option. But I'm not going to lie though. The the cravings are always there. I'm not, there's times where I wake up sometimes still in the middle of the night, like wanting to get high. And it's, you have to identify it and and handle it accordingly for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I got my demons every night where I deal with and I cope by drawing and just just being better. And I, what I understand of being better, working, not doing drugs, eating healthy. And I've been trying to fix my relationship with my daughter again. Uh, I got in contact with her um, during the pandemic, which was great. Um, I've reached a lot of milestones. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the results of, you know, what I'm doing. Oh, that's great. I didn't I didn't know you had a daughter. How old is she? Uh, she's 16. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah. She, uh, she's a beautiful girl. Um, she plays the piano. She skateboards. She knows how to draw very well. She's very fluent in multi- different languages, uh, Greek, Spanish, uh, no, not Spanish, Greek, Italian and English. Um, reads it fluently. She's uh, she's great. She lives in Massachusetts. Oh, that's awesome. And, yeah, and th- yeah, yeah. And uh, so you guys like you guys got back in touch and now like yeah, have you seen been, her or not yet? No, I haven't seen her yet. It's uh, we're still in the process, but it's a slow, tedious process. But I'm enjoying it, though. I'm happy with the way things are going. Yeah. And that's um, and that's great that that she wants to get to know you. And, and, and yeah, she's very she was very receptive when we spoke and all. And then the grandparents, you know, adults, they get in the way just to make sure that thing, you know, that, I'm, that they're Be safe, safe and stuff yeah she wants their, their safety is the, the top thing and i'm okay with that i don't mind playing this song and dance because it's what i want you know yeah and, and um, you'll dance all you need to <laughs> oh absolutely and all i can all i can do is just put my best effort into being a better human you know to yeah. myself i don't want my relationship to end up the, the one that me and my daughter have i don't want it to end up the way me and my mom's did absolutely don't you know so i'm gonna try to continue reaching out always and just be a support however best i can that's awesome. That's great to hear. Well, it's been so fun talking to you. I know yeah, you're probably no, freezing. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this. Yeah. 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 I'm enjoying this, it's been, um, it's hey. good to see your face again. I'm glad that you're doing so well. You Thank do. You, you look, you look so much better and like healthier and happier. Um, I so am. My, my girlfriend's great. <laughs> Got a beautiful relationship, you know? That's awesome. And are you like getting engaged? I thought was did I read Yeah, that? yeah, we're yeah. we're engaged. We're engaged. Um, you know, we don't have a date yet, but we're definitely loving each other. That's good. You know? I'm so yeah. happy for you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, she's a very beautiful woman. She's very understanding. She's a beautiful artist. She likes to do art. She's got a, her own page um on Facebook, you know, Stephanie Peebles. If you look her up, she does a, an art group called Lifted Artist. Uh it's a really good supportive community actually oh, that's so awesome that's yeah. how we met yeah that's how we met was through the art group when i first got to my brother's house mm-hmm. um i was i was isolated i was um you know he would come he would come over and hang out whenever he could for work because i worked and lived at the same place and mm-hmm. i would see him once a week so this art group was where i gravitated to and that's how we met was just chatting through art and me posting my artwork and then me and her just started talking and things blossomed into what they are now and when we first met during the summer we actually stayed at a campground Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, Grand Rapids, it's uh, called Willow Ranch. It's a really nice campground with a lot of artwork. And I lived there and stayed there and did a lot of art on the on the campground. They had festivals there. It was beautiful. Um, I got to paint a raccoon and build uh, an earth ship made out of concrete and sandbags. 
a lot of physical work. You know, I got to cut down trees and mm -hmm. stuff like that. It was, it was great. It was a wonderful experience. I got to build an A-frame house with somebody out there, which was really dope. Um, it was really good uh, to, to adjust to being back in society. I didn't want a nine to five job and me and her, our relationship took us to this campground and it was great, man. Just this whole introduction to being normal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, being healthy, your version, yeah, you know, yeah, your yeah. version of normal, your version Absolutely. of healthy, which is great. Um, do you want to tell people your social media accounts? Do you want people to follow you? Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. I don't mind. I got an Instagram account, a blinky one only for sure. If they want to follow me on Instagram. And I, um, and I will take you um, and people will be able to find you that way, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I post my art there and what I do, you know, for work. Sometimes I always find beauty in my work, which is weird because the chemicals that pour out of the machines on the floor, they're mixed up with oil and whatnot. Ooh. And they actually create some really nice designs, the colors and the hues, the way they blend in together. Mm -hmm. It's pretty dope. It's pretty is, it, is it weird to be around those? Like, have you ever been a huffer before? Like, with no, <laughs> it's actually funny. Um, so there is a, a warning to, to being there to where I work. There is a hazard because when the material comes in dirty, it's a lot of paints, aerosols, like yeah. whatever these epoxies and stuff like that are. So I have a respirator that I use okay, for good, work yeah. When, whenever. Yeah, whenever I unload the machines and stuff like that. So you but, don't get um, a contact high yeah, from the pain. It happened, it happened to me though. The first night I was there, I was like, oh, okay, whoa, this ain't working for me. I quit getting high a long time ago. <laughs> You're like, this is an unhealthy situation. Yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely not a whip it, that's for sure. Oh, fucking love whip it. God damn it. <laughs> fucking hippie crack. Yeah, hippie everybody crack, loves hippie. them. Right. Um, well, I told fatties. <laughs> well, you can find this wonderful podcast, How to Do Drugs, um, everywhere you pretty much find podcasts, Apple, Amazon, Audible, um, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, How to Do Drugs Pod. Um, and please rate, subscribe, and review. I definitely need, yeah. um, I haven't been asking for that. So if you guys could please rate and subscribe, um, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on, hon. Oh, definitely. Thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure.